Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. We're going to be talking about this week's Supernatural episode, Damaged Goods. I'm Becky. Um, Susan won't be with us again tonight. She's got better plans than talking with me and Vinny, I guess. And we love you, Susan. We miss you. And Vinny's here. Hi, guys. And so we'll just start talking about this week's episode, which, again, um, I thought it was really, really good. Uh, A lot of really good brother moments, which are pretty much what Vinny and I live for. And Mm -hmm. it had, you know, really, you know, it, 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 there was, you know, of course, a few little things like, you know, Dean trying to pull a Connor. Um, if you watch Angel, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm that are kind of being to somebody else. <laughs> I guess, you know, Dean's a big Joss Whedon fan. He watched Angel and got his information from there. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. What would you think? Um, I actually... I thought I was going to hate this episode. I re- not hate it, but I thought I was going to not like it. Because I didn't get to watch the East Coast feed. So I was checking Twitter, like, somewhere in the middle. And everyone was like, what is this? And nobody cares, and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, my friend like, we love this episode. I was like, okay, that's a 180. And <laughs> I didn't watch until, I didn't actually get a chance to watch until this morning. Uh, and... I liked it more than I thought I would. I have, like, the most unpopular opinion about it ever in that I know almost nobody agrees with me, but (laughs) the only storyline I genuinely have been enjoying this entire season was Nick's. Um, Not so much that, like, oh, this is the greatest story ever told, but, like, I like murder stories and I like, like, true crime style things and I like actual true crime mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that Mark Pellegrino does a really good job at being like super disturbing and creepy yeah. and I like the diff- I like the nuance he has between being like a murderer as Lucifer and being a murderer as just like a human being who's really screwed up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I like I like the way he played against like usually we're just so used to him playing against the Winchesters specifically Sam but it shows you, like, what a good actor Mark Pellegrino can be and how good he is with uh, with Brianna and with Sam Smith and how good they are against him. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Donna, and I like the character of Donna, but Donna can get a little, like, cutesy and grating to me because it's just, it's, it's kind of a caricature. And so when she gets to play yeah. something that's darker and more serious, it's I enjoy it, and I enjoyed her being such a like don't with me kind of cop instead of just kind of bumbling around. Yeah, the, I agree. Totally agree. So I because in the scene with her and Dean, like it's a, it's a fun scene to watch. It is. But it's a bit much with the whole, like, in your noggin, and I had to see my D-train. Like, everything's kind of quippy and cutesy, and it's just a little try-hard. Sorry, Davey, but it is. Yeah. The writing was a little try-hard. Uh, but it's just, 
you yeah, know, the D train part got to me because I just felt he yeah, was calling Donna D train. Well, and my D train, like where where did that even come from? But it is yeah. one of those things where, and it wasn't just that, and it wasn't just her. It was the whole interaction. Like every interaction had to have some kind of like turn of phrase. Instead of just saying, like, I know what's going on in your head, Dean. Like, I know he's up in your noggin. Because people don't really talk like that. And I think when you're writing right. dialogue, whether it's, whether it's a book or a screenplay or whatever, or a script, yeah, you want your characters to be clever, but you also have to remember how real people talk. And it changes the way Dean speaks when you put her with, him with Donna in that capacity. He just doesn't sound like Dean. Yeah. So it was a fun scene, but so the the flip of that is is you know having her with Nick and talking about you know just her, her coming back. Nope, ran the plate. She wasn't like, oh yeah, I ran the I ran the the because that's how they make her sound sometimes. I'm like, oh god, stop. But she was just like, no, I ran the plate. Uh-huh. It belonged yep. to an eight year old woman. Like, yes, how people talk. So I appreciated that. And I just think that, like, I, again, you don't have to like a character or think a character is a good guy to enjoy a character. Like, we knew that Gordon was not a good guy. He was never a good guy, but he's one of the best characters the show has ever had. Mm-hmm. Nick's not a good guy, sure. but the character is a good character. And I think sometimes the problem with our, the characters we're given is, even when they start off bad, you're trying so hard to keep them around so you make them good, the character gets lame, like Crowley, like Castiel. We're these strong characters with, like, bordering on bad guys, well, Crowley was, and Cass was just like whatever Cass was. But then you water them down in order to justify them not being killed and being able to continue keeping them on the show. And I think that Mm -hmm. it was a smart move to not do that with Nick, just go, you know what, instead of making him super broken and fragile and, you know, moping around the bunker like every other character is, well, let's just make him a psycho. I know. You don't, I you don't have to like it. him. Yeah, you don't have to like him. No one's asking you to like Nick. No one's asking you to say this is a fun character, this is a nice character. I'm sitting here telling you, like, he's a messed up character and, like, I, I'm into that. I dig that. Yeah, he's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, talks about Mark Pellegrino being a good actor. When he's talking to his to Abraxas about his family and that tear runs down his face, I mean, that gets Yes. Him. I mean, Mark Pellegrino is, oh, he's so good at that. He, he can bring the emotions and then scare the crap out of you the next minute. He's just yeah, really, like really said, good. I I fully understand people have their personal issues with him and I don't agree with a lot of the things he says but I'm not going to evaluate the character based on someone's personal belief system plus I just can't Mark's I'm not really going to do that, that. <laughs> that, that you know like I also don't evaluate Sam and Dean based on like Jared and Jensen or anything like that or you know it's just it's just one of those things that I just I'm not going to sit there and do on a on a weekly basis. So right. I get the right. like Mark Pellegrino, and I'm not telling people to like Nick or Mark Pellegrino. I'm just saying that like 
it is consistently the only storyline that I've actually cared about the whole season because, as I said before, I super don't care about the Michael storyline. I'm sorry. Like, I feel bad because Jensen's trying so hard. Like, he's doing really good work with it. But, again, I'm not going to base how I feel about a character or a storyline based on an actor. Uh, and so the mm-hmm. fact that, like, I like Jensen as an actor has no bearing on the fact that I just think Michael's ex- – the whole storyline is just so – I don't care. At, at this point, like, aside from the fact that Michael has been safe, put him in a box. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I, – I was really seriously hoping – and there still may be a chance it could be, but it's this late in the season, I don't see it happening. I was hoping this would be one of those seasons where you think that's going to be the season-long bad guy, and they flip it up and, you know, and halfway through, and it's another bad You know, nope, it's this other guy instead is, is the big bad. Well, they tried to do uh, that. You know, Michael's not the real threat. Okay. And it kind of made it seem like, oh, okay, well, maybe Nick is the real threat okay, maybe the monsters that Michael made are the real threat, but the the monsters Michael made are only a problem if Michael's in control. If not, they just, like, they're like, Walk you know away. what they remind me of? <laughs> they wander off. <laughs> Remember in the Mario Brothers video game, the ghost? Like, if you were looking at the uh-huh. ghost, the ghost couldn't hurt you. The ghost could only hurt you if you turned your back, and yeah, then it would come yeah. after you. That's how I feel about the monsters yeah. that Michael made. They're only like <laughs> as soon as you, as soon as Michael's not in control, they just like freeze. Like okay, never mind. We're just gonna stand here and wait for orders. Actually, we're gonna go home. Home is good. <laughs> I don't understand. He's <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. And yeah, I also I know, I know exactly what I you mean. It, I keep calling it Chekhov's Archangel Blade, but like at this point, I don't understand why someone hasn't gone. You know what we can do. Let's just stab Dean. He'll be fine. We already have done this. We know he'll be fine. Let's just stab him. And then yeah. and we'll just nurse him back to health. And That's the thing. I don't understand why, why, why they don't do that. Why, why won't Dean let him like, stab and if, him and if, instead of go to the bottom of the ocean for forever? And I had the same reaction you did. I said, are we redoing the end of... Season three of Angel? What are we doing here? What is this? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's ultimately like, and I do believe in the in the theory that we've been telling the same seven stories for an eternity. I do believe in that theory, but that theory means in broad strokes, like there are only a few stories you can tell. You can tell a tragedy. You can tell a romance. You know. It's the, it's the concept of 10 things I hate about you is the taming of the shrew just retold. I get that. And mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. whether it's literal or figurative, literal like that is or figurative like, you know, we've, we've done this before. But to actually rip off a show in the same genre you're in is a bit much. And yeah, I refuse yeah. to believe that maybe it's a subconscious ripoff but I refuse to believe that's not a ripoff given the age range of the writers who are in my age range and your age range. Therefore their references are the same as ours, which reminds me, I have a thing about references later. My biggest problem with the episode 
is I don't see how Nick figured out it was Mary and where she was. <laughs> because no. first, the demon at the beginning just said, you know, it was a woman in Hibbing. So, you know, I assume that there's more than just Donna in Hibbing. I'm, I assume there's more women than Donna, um, you know. So, but as soon as he got to Hibbing, he didn't ask for Donna. He asked Joe, the grocery kid, for Mary. So, you know. Who, by the way, Joe, the grocery kid, is legitimately the best character of the entire series. I know. I, I love him. The series. I love Joe. <laughs> Joe, for all the episodes, can we train Joe, and can he be a hunter, and he can he be in all the episodes? I love Joe. I love Joe. I was so afraid Nick was going to kill him. And I, I was did, like, I don't kill Joe. <laughs> I was immediately invested in Joe's well-being. And, yes, me yeah. too. For for a teeny tiny part, that actor was awesome. Because I was like, I love Joe. Don't hurt him. Yeah, no, but super invested Joe. How, how did, I mean, I, I know later on he tells Braxis that the demon he was with saw everything or whatever. Shouldn't we, then, if that's true... Shouldn't before he stabbed her in the eye with the angel blade, shouldn't we have heard her actually say Mary's name instead of a woman in hitting? You would think. Because there's actually no reason to ever think that Mary was in hitting. As far as he's concerned, Mary should be in Lebanon. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I don't understand that at all. I, I was like, I assumed when he would pulled up into the grocery to talk to our dear sweet Joe that he was going to ask about Donna, but no, he asked about Mary. So I'm like, how do you know to ask about Mary? So that was so, the part that bugged me the most the entire episode. I would say what bugged me in general was the fact that, like, oh, we're just going to now blame it all on a random demon? I don't understand what the point of everything we Again, aside from the fact that initially it's the storyline I was enjoying, I was kind of enjoying it more because I was like, well, what if Nick is going to kill this family all along? Is he just a crazy psycho the whole time and we didn't know? And that's why, like, Mm -hmm. Lucifer thought him to be, like, a worthy vessel. I had all these headcanons, and then it turned out, no. And it just came out of nowhere. And it is one of those things where you just kind of feel like, oh, you guys wrote yourself in the corner. And we're just like, eh, spaghetti at the wall. It it kind of reminded me of, you know, back how. All those years we always thought it was Azazel who put Jessica on the ceiling and everything. It right. turned out it was the possessed friend Great. of Sam, you know, and so it's kind of that same same thing. Brady, Sam's college boyfriend, yes. I'm sorry, yeah, what, yeah. what were we saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Sam, and, and not Azazel. can't get away from me. <laughs> Hey, I'm all for that, Cannon. Hey, don't do this. Follow me. I feel like it uh, makes so much sense, and I will fight. <laughs> oh, I I agree with you. But yeah, that to me was a big, huge, ginormous plot hole. Yeah, it really was. How in the heck did Nick get to marry? Because I and I have to say, talking about that when the, when Dean and Donna were sitting there eating the cheeseburgers or whatever. That was the grossest looking sandwich I have ever seen in my life. I don't know if not, that was not a to be burger. tomatoes. 
Yeah, was it tomatoes falling off or was it ketchup? I don't know, but oh, it just was so gross. Oh, and see, I'm a big plain cheese. Well, you're a pizza eater, person, though. But yeah, exactly. So it's just like, oh, no, thank you. But I have to say the Winchester Surprise does sound good. Okay, but here's my issue. One, canonically, <laughs> okay. Mary Winchester is not a bad cook. But let's let's let's, let's fuck that to one side for a minute. Okay. Canonically, I want to talk about that too. Dean Winchester is a fantastic cook. What are we doing with that? Why are we just retconning things? Just some, again, it's something I have said for so many years: is sometimes you have to let the joke go. You can't force the joke. You can't change things just to make the joke work, or what you think makes it work, because you have. And I think this is something that, not just supernatural, but I think. Supernatural, to a degree, was the pioneer of things like this because this was the show that really catapulted under online fandom. I mean, online fandom has been around for decades, but this is the show that grew up, it grew itself with social media. It really did. Mm-hmm. So this is a show that you have viewers who are so openly dedicated, whereas, you know, when you had shows like Star Trek or or something, people weren't so openly dedicated and they didn't have an outlet for it really, aside from like message boards or fanzines that were not so immediate and not so intense. And, excuse me, you, the times are different. You know, it's far more acceptable to be like really nitpicky and really fandomy now like it's just kind of assumed that everyone has a fandom it's just a matter of what fandom you are in so when you have a show like that you can't just run around making up canon just all willy-nilly like that you just can't do it because you have an entire online audience going uh no an episode blah 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 in minute blah, 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 dean says this this and this and it's not just one pedantic viewer that's doing it to you it's Thousands. Okay, now the Dean call Dean's calling himself a terrible cook. I I am I I'm fine with that because you know no. that's Dean. He does he doesn't really no. And you know why? I had, this, I had this conversation with somebody else. You know why it's not okay? I would give you, I would give you yes. Dean is self-deprecating. Whatever. I would give you that, except. When Dean made his burger for Sam, when Dean made the, the pancakes, when Dean got a kitchen, Dean was so prideful of it. He was so proud at how well he could cook and how he was basically going, look, Sam, I can provide for us. Look, like you can do this. I have to go to the grocery store. I have to make this. I need this. I need this. Isn't this burger so good? So you can't retcon when you have it to when you when you already went to the effort of making that comedic relief, you can't retcon the comedic relief. So if we had never had but, that, I would totally back the fact that it was a self deprecating like teenism. But this is one thing can, that it doesn't actually work to be that. But see, I going along with what you said that Dean would say, Look, you know, we got a kitchen, look I can provide, look I did this He's done, you know, that is what, you know, we saw him fixing um, SpaghettiOs, you know, for Sam, and instead Sam wanted the Lucky Charms. We, you know, we got um, just in this this episode, 
we got the story of Sam stealing and bringing home bologna and cheese in his pants and Dean fixing it on a hot plate and stinking up the motel room. Um, you know, so we, you know, we, we've gotten, you know, we got kind of that. So I, I can see where Dean thinks he's a terrible cook. He, or no. he thinks, you know, he can cook, but he's not that great. You know, he can do the, he knows you know, he's thinking to himself. He can, Go back and watch. Go back and watch the scene where he makes the hamburger for Sam. He knows he's good. He knows he made oh, such yeah. a good. He's fully aware of it, and I just feel like it was. It, it just it's one of those things that I'm just. It's gonna bother me, and I'm not going to. It's not something that I'm going maybe to hand wave think, or stand like away. I'm just not because it doesn't even make. Maybe that burger was just one thing. Mary's one thing is. Winchester surprise, maybe to to Dean, his one thing are the burgers. No, but he made the pancakes too. Yeah, but he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't really think he's a fantastic cook, though. I can. And then he he was he was making breakfast for Lisa and Dean, and for Lisa and Ben also. Yeah. No, no, I can see it both ways. I can see it your way and I can see it my way. Now, the part that I do want to talk about for sure, though, is where is it canonically, canono- uh, in canon? Canonically? <laughs> <laughs> yes, canonically. There we go. Thank you. Uh, how do we know Mary's a great cook? Because all that I've ever seen I'm not sure about that Somebody I can remember. about her mistaking the smell of a, of a burning body for a roast. Here's my thing. Um, I'm not saying that's not something that happened. I'm saying that I don't pay attention when Mary talks. So, but that that was uh, that was um, Sam's um, brain when he was hallucinating Mary, um, and when the levee break. Somebody had yeah. Somebody had a few citations of it, and I was like, I don't know. I will say that my problem with it isn't so much whether Mary can cook or not because. I, I personally can't argue either way. Um, I would have to do like a full rewatch oh. to see, and I'm not about to do that. All that I can remember seeing Mary do was cut the um, cut the crust off of Dean's peanut butter sam peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and that memory that Dean had. Um, then and the fake um, in what is and what should never be. Mary was able to make a good sandwich, but that was just Dean's fantasy, his genie dream. That wasn't real. And then when the only other time I can remember seeing uh, Mary kind of cook with her in the um, in one of the past, one of the episodes where Dean went back in the past. I think it was the one where Sam went back to. Yeah, it was. Um, and young John and young Mary. We see young John and Mary putting up groceries, but we don't really see her cooking. So everybody, I saw everybody on Twitter talking about, Mary's always been a great cook. Where's this coming from? I'm like, I don't remember Mary ever being a great cook. I, like I said, I can't personally say either way because that would involve me paying attention to Mary. Um, and some of and I like Mary, so I haven't been paying attention to her. So. <laughs> yeah, someone can correct me if I'm wrong in this, but in – Episode twelve twenty two when Dean goes into her like brain or whatever is I'm pretty sure she was cooking. 
Okay, I don't even know which episode you're talking about. When it comes to episodes from the last few seasons, I don't have as great a memory as I do of the old episodes. (laughs) So I only tend to watch. Yeah, like I said, someone either confirm or correct me if I'm wrong. It's perfectly fine. I I fully accept when I'm. Well, you can canonically tell me I'm wrong. I will accept it. If it's based on interpretation, I won't accept it. But my issue with it actually stems, like, way deeper. It's going to be a little people going to be like, oh, Vinny, please shut up. But that's fine. My issue is, is that I don't appreciate the things they do with Mary in order to enforce to us that she's this, air quote, badass female. Like, don't tell me that, you know, a badass female can't, means that she can't cook because, you know, if you're a woman and you cook, then you can't be a badass. And, I, and I'm not saying it's something that the writers are doing purposely. I think it's those kind of things that our society creates that it's just like you don't even realize how, like, forced, forced your patriarchy is. And I hate to get on, like, a feminist soapbox because I'm not often that person. But with certain things, it does bug me. It bugs me with certain things when it comes to, like, cooking or makeup when you want to tell me, like, oh, no, I'm, it's, it's that idea of I'm not like the other girls, which is something I've always hated in, in media, whether it's books or movies or TV, is that idea of I'm not like the other girls. What does that even mean? And so for me, to this whole, like, oh, Mary's just not a good wife material. She was never good wifey material. I don't like it. It bugs me. It super bugs me. And so, yeah, so the, the Mary Cat Cook thing bothered me on, like, levels. But mostly it was don't retcon, the, don't retcon one of the few things that Dean Winchester isn't hard on himself about. Like, this is a man, like, you, he has so many insecurities. You can pick so many things. Housekeeping is not one of his, his, his downfalls. Cooking and cleaning are things that Dean Winchester can do, does very well, and knows he does well. And furthermore, based on what I was saying about Marius, one of the things that makes Dean such a good character is he is this quintessential dude. He has the cool car, he's skiing, he dresses cool, he can beat you up, he can save you, da 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 And then he has this flip of what we perceive Denver roles to be where he's so incredibly nurturing. He will take care of you. He can cook. He can clean. He can do all these things that we traditionally as a society think of as mothering or a female role. Or, and he can do that without him ever feeling, like, insecure about his masculinity. Like, he's never one to be like, why did I do that? That's so girly. He's not that guy. And I think that's so cool about the character. And so to take away the things that he does take pride in that happen to be in that vein just bugs me. It bugs me. I understand. Whereas I, you know, I, I don't agree with all of it, but that's what makes this awesome. So, <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, you're wrong. So that's, that's also in there. I'm never wrong. My grandfather used to say, for the record, my grandfather was a terrible human, but he used to say, I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong, which used to drive me crazy when I was a kid because it doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. I say that. That's a good one. That's a good one. 
Um, Dog Paw DK, Dog Paw DK tweeted, does a pie fall under the category of cooking? Have we ever seen either one of them, Mary or Dean, bake a pie, though? Um, I'm going to say I don't know because I don't. So I suddenly don't know if I'm confusing, like, canon with, with Shannon in terms of Dean baking a pie. Mary might have baked a pie. Now I feel like Mary did bake a pie. I don't know. Follow up, uh, Dog Paw, because I, I don't remember... Although, yeah, I do have, have in my notes that uh, pie is the most tired joke. I'm so tired. Why can't the pie thing just die? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I, I did notice, and this bugged me because, you know, uh, all of us have carried in bags of groceries all the time. What, but Mary was carrying the pie, not in a bag. She was just carrying a pie when her and Dean were unloading the truck. And I was like, see, they're specifically making sure that we see the pie. And it's like, no, the pie should be in the bag with the rest of the groceries. But, yeah, that yeah, bugged me. We have to show that she remembers the pie because the pie is such an important joke. Yes, exactly. I'm so tired of pie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like pie in real life <laughs> that much. It's one of my least favorite desserts. Yeah. So. I, I prefer cobbler. If I'm going to have some kind of fame because they're good like southern cobbler. Yeah, yes, there we go. Understand that cobbler is superior to pie. Oh, much, Fight much us. so. Fight us. Exactly. Oh. We we'll win every time on that one. Sorry, right, like, I'm fat and I'm southern. You're not going to win this one, people. I want to hear more. I love this story, going kind of in the food thing, of Dean telling that story about Sam pulling out a bologna and cheese from his pants. Because he's basically saying, you know, Sam shoplifted the food, but without saying, specifically saying it. I like right. hearing those stories because it reinforces, you know, all of the, um, you know, some of it is actual story canon, but, you know, then there's also head canon that a lot of us have made, but about how they grew up. And Agreed. I, really I did like, like that. Hearing that, I did like that part. I I did feel like the writing of the rest of that story was really awkward, but I liked that part of it. It got awkward when he yeah. got to like hot plate and Dad came home and he threw it away and it reminded him of you and that got really weird. Uh, yeah, to me, I assumed John was just throwing it away because it stunk up the house. Not because yeah. it reminded him of Mary. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was a little, again, I just feel like sometimes they're, again, just a little, they try a little too hard to tie things together. But the overall spirit of that story, I enjoyed because just like you said, you we, as the viewers, enjoy those little, I mean, how many times have we all said, like, we would totally be down for the spinoff that's, like, the John years where we see the yes. kids growing up, things like that. So Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, if Matt Collins wasn't doing General that. Hospital, it would be perfect. <laughs> um, I like, I mean, going back to the, 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 the brother moments in the very beginning, I liked, and I liked the theme. I, I, I want to give Davey a lot of credit for this. 
from the very beginning of the episode, it's Dean, like Sam asking how he is, and Dean immediately doesn't answer and then just plows over it into something else. Then Donna's trying to mm-hmm. ask him how he is. He plows over it. Mary, it takes her a while to figure out, which is so sad. <laughs> so telling <laughs> Mary that she's the last one to figure out something's wrong with Dean. She's just like, no, he's fine, everyone. God. Like, oh, honey, no, he's really not. Yeah. Um, but I uh, I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed – I felt almost bad for her, but I also, like, really smug when she was trying to tell Dean, like, well, I mean, telling Sam, like, okay, I get it, you're right, something's wrong with him, but give me time. And Sam's like, oh, yeah, no, totally, sure, yeah, yeah, Mom. And then it's already driving. He's like, no, she can't do this. <laughs> no. <laughs> Right there with you. Ooh, Dog Paw. Dog Paw comes through. She um, copied from a wiki. It says in season five, episode Dark Side of the Moon, it is implied that the origin of Dean's love for pie comes from Mary, who was shown in a memory making him pie. Dean also seems to be a comfort, possibly because of his mother. So thank you, Dog Paw. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you for proving my point even further, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love winning. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I won. (laughs) Maybe. 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 I may may not be right, but I'm never wrong. (laughs) You might have to concede to being super wrong on this one. (laughs) Never. Uh, Um, Yeah. Another... Thing that I thought of as a plot hole. Um, yeah, we saw Dean, you know, filling up the um, duffel bag with tools and books and stuff. But you know, isn't he lucky that Donna just happened to have all that metal in her shed when he got there? Oh no! How <laughs> fortunate. Oh. You know, what's the chances? That's you know because it definitely was you know couldn't have fit that in the Impala. Well, he did get stuff out of yeah. He got stuff out of the Impala, so maybe he brought some of the scrap with himself. I don't know. Some of that metal was pretty long that he was cutting, so it's like did he have it hanging out the windows, you know? And also, how did how does Dean plan on taking the box wherever he's going to take it? He said he was going to pay. He says he said he was going to pay. He's going to pay a guy with a boat. But how is he going to get the box to the boat? So is he running a trailer? What's he going Much to do? like Dean, I hadn't thought of that far ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe he's planning on running a trailer, getting a U-Haul or something. I don't know. My thing is... Maybe Mario. Not... I was just looking maybe Mario loading the truck. I was, saying, like, I was saying, like, references were weird. Donna is... Mm-hmm. Donna's like my age. So the whole like Burt Reynolds style posters and the 8-tracks didn't really make sense to me because the, the posters did because think of Doug. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that, that. But then the idea, the idea is more that Doug is her type as a result of what she grew up with, not so much that those posters are her type 
because of Doug. Because the yeah, implication I'll... is that that's been there forever. And that these are mm-hmm. things from, like, her teenage years, essentially. But, no, like, I didn't have eight tracks. <laughs> well, eight tracks were way said... before my time. Again, this is where, you know, kind of like the deal with where it's being going to put the box. It's kind of like that. They don't tell us things. I just had to headcanon that that cabin and the barn shed thingy were family, you know, held, you know, they were family. It was a family cabin. Maybe that used to be her dad's shed. I'm not saying he had the pictures with the mustachioed muscle men. Maybe he did. I don't know. But um, the eight truck player, maybe it was his dad's. Maybe it was her mom's. You know, I'm assuming it was just, you know, passed down. I guess. But here's the for me, again, like, I figure because Brianna and I are, I think Brianna's like a year younger than I am. So, like, I, I put Sheriff Donna, like, in the same, like, two years up or down either way. So my thing is, is like, if you want to tell me that that's her parents' reel-to-reel, I'll give you that because I remember my parents' reel-to-reel. My dad didn't get, well, actually, I think we still have it somewhere. So it still exists. But there are, I never in my, I, outside of consignment stores, I have never in my life actually seen an 8-track. Never. Okay. I guess it's our age difference because my dad did. He had he had no. an eight track player, and uh, I remember it, his birthday when my mom bought him this big stereo with an eight track in it, and it was like the greatest gift he ever gotten in his life. And then when I was a teenager, um, it was kind of passed down to me until I got a brand new one uh, stereo that did not have an eight track player; it had a cassette player. But, yeah, I had the 8-track stereo for a while, and I would play my dad's 8-track sometimes. So, yeah. It was I I legitimately have never, outside of, like, being in a Goodwill or a Savers or something, I've never actually seen an 8-track in in action. I've never held one, nothing. Wow. My dad's even would record, and we have, we still have the, eight tracks where we recorded like family conversations from like 1975 you know um everybody just playing around and all that but now we don't have an eight track player to play them on but we have the eight tracks still yeah no that's not i the weird like i if again if you want to tell me albums like i grew up with albums i grew up with a reel to reel i grew up with cassettes obviously but the A-track thing was really weird to me. I was like, mm, I don't understand. I just thought it was a weird reference point. Like, all of the reference points in our cabinet just felt very, like, mid-70s to me. And I was like, that's a mm-hmm. solid five to ten, like, five to ten years outside of Donna's, like, actual age range. And it was weird. Maybe they're just trying to age her up. I don't know. Maybe, and, and it was weird to me. Just it wasn't weird to me, like on a. It was was weird to me in just a level where it took me out of the story briefly, where I was like, a tracks. And you know where I I guess to me, it was totally fine. Like I said, because I grew up with them, so. Which again, okay. if they want to have, if, if she was a like if she was in like between you say like, teens age range and. Even Dean would be a little under for that. But still, okay, I'll give you that. To, like, Nick's age range. But, like, she's not. 
I don't know. It was weird to me. That's all. Well, Dean's 40. You know, Dean just turned 40. So, Which is only how... three years older than But do we know for a fact that he's older than Donna? Have they ever said how old Donna is? No, I couldn't say it. I'm going by based on the fact of what Brianna's age is, which I'm pretty sure she's like okay. 35. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, oh, real quick, this is stupid, but one thing I noticed, did you notice that cabin's roof really needs work or something because it's crooked? It did <laughs> not they would notice. show it from the side. It's so, whenever Dean was walking to see where the guns are shooting, the gunshots are coming from when he first gets to the cabin and they show the cabin side, it's like it it, it starts off level and then goes downhill. And it's like, first I'm thinking, well, maybe that's how it was built. And it's like, no, that that cabin needs a new roof. That just looks bad. <laughs> so I, I don't know. No, but next time I watch, it's probably going to stand out to me and I won't be able to focus on anything else. <laughs> So there's that. Um, okay. we got to talk about the last few minutes with Dean and Sam. Because, first of all, of course Sam is going to get there. Yeah, you I know, figured we'd say that for a wrap-up. Oh, are, are we thinking anything else? Is, are we thinking of, of anything else that needs to be discussed? Oh, oh, okay. I figure we'll end on um, a super high note. Uh, Let me look through my notes. I've got Cabin's Roof is wonky. Oh, and there was some weird music playing at the beginning in, in a scene that we'd never heard them play. You know, your regular just background music they were playing, some weird music. But I liked it, but it was weird. Um, Gabriel Tigerman was in the TurboTax commercial during the show. I was like, oh, I miss Andy. So that was good. Um, I never watched commercials. I don't get commercials. Well, well, you missed it. It was good. Um, I, mean, I, I love the little well, smile, Mary. Legally. Yes, definitely, very legally. Of course you do, of course. Yeah. Um, I love Mary's smile when she comes down the steps and sees Dean sleeping, how he's sleeping in that weird position. I, I liked her little smile. I did like that. Um, oh, really? This was something that bugged me. So we got, you know, the phone's ringing, and um you know, while Dean's sleeping, but Mary's out in the barn checking things out, and we get a weird cut to Donna asleep. This is before the phone is ringing. We get a weird cut to Donna still knocked out in the car, and then a truck goes by, and and it wakes her up. That was just unnecessary cut, to my, in my opinion. It was just felt so out of place because, you know, then then a few minutes later we have the phone ringing and Dean talking to her. We they they could have just showed the phone call with Dean. We didn't need that weird cut while Mary's checking out the barn showing Donna. I thought I had missed something. I thought maybe like I missed something because it rings. We don't know who's calling him just so he doesn't answer. So I don't know if it's Sam, but then it cuts to where he had to charge his phone. I assumed, okay, see at first I was confused about the phone thing too. Why is he, you know, why didn't he pick it up and all that? But I, here's what it was. He picked up his phone because he thought it was ringing. It wasn't his phone that was ringing. It was Mary's phone that was charging. It was Mary's phone that was ringing, oh, not okay. so Dean's. Oh, phone on the nightstand, and then he picks up Mary's? Yeah, that was Mary's phone. That's what I assumed, because the phone closest to him, what I assumed, would be his. 
And so it was Donna calling Mary the whole time, not Donna calling Dean. I guess. The editing of this episode was really, really, yeah. really strange. Yeah, that uh, the whole and, phone thing was very confusing. The first time I watched it, I was like, what's going on? Why isn't he answering the phone? You know, why did he go over there? What What was wrong with it? And then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm figuring it out. He's realizing it's not his phone that's ringing. It's Mary's. Okay. But I still don't understand why he didn't answer his phone if it was Don, if it was Donna or Sam. Like, why didn't he answer it? No, his phone wasn't ringing. He went and looked no. at his phone and saw that it was saw that it wasn't ringing because as he's looking at his phone, you can still hear the phone ringing, and it's because it's Mary's phone. He's still half asleep. He hears the phone ringing, grabs his. It's not his no, phone. No, but he grabs that's it ringing. by his. He grabs it by his head. The other phone that's ringing is on a different table charging. Exactly. It's that so phone that's phone been ringing ring the whole time. He didn't answer it. No, his phone never rang. I think you're wrong. It, it it's totally possible because, like you said, the editing was horrible, and it, it it is a very confusing scene. But to me, the only way for it to make any sense is that. He's he's asleep. He hears a phone ring. He grabs the one closest to him. It's not his phone ringing when he realizes it because he looks at it and he makes a weird face. It's not his phone ringing. That's when he goes over but and picks up Mary's phone. But then, why is charging if it's Mary's phone both times? It wasn't Mary's. It was Mary's phone the entire time. Dean That's what I'm saying, just picks up the his phone because he's the first time it rings. It's next to his head. The next time it rings. It's in a totally different location on a different table charging. The phone that he picks up it's while he's too, sleeping is not charging. And it's phone, not on the same exactly. table. Exactly. It's two, so what you're two saying, different phones. He picked phones. up Mary's phone and took it to the table to charge and then answered it? No, 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 no. Let me explain it again. Okay, so when Dean went to bed that night, when, when Dean went to sleep, he set his phone on his, you know, on the table beside the couch where he's sleeping. In the middle of the right. night, phone rings. In the middle of the night, he hears a phone ring. He grabs his because, you know, he's asleep. Oh, I get so he hears a phone ring. He phone thinks it's his. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He thinks it's his oh, phone okay. ring. But then when he, when he looks at it, he realizes it's not ringing. And that's when he goes to Mary's phone. I think where I got confused was the same part you're saying, is that his phone was ringing, or Mary's phone was ringing before Donna woke up, so I assumed it was Sam calling him, then he didn't answer, then he answered Mary's phone. It's because the editing was so weird. That's what I'm saying. That's where I got confused. I thought it was his phone ringing at first, and I assumed it was Sam. Because he didn't answer it, but then later on he does answer a phone. So that's where I got confused. So wait, he took Mary's phone? Okay, so it was, okay, 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 I get it, I get it. It was Again, my problem is the Donna part. That's what just keeps screwing me up is the Donna part. Yes, exactly. That was what I have written down here. <laughs> exactly. It's like a weird cut to Donna. It was unnecessary. They could have just shown her talking to Dean. Yeah, what it should have been is her talking to Dean all groggy. Yeah, exactly. They really had to show her. Mm-hmm. It should have been that. Mm-hmm. Or show her waking up and reaching for her phone, and then have the yeah him answering. 
the first phone ring scene was completely unnecessary, and it and it confused me, and I don't appreciate that. And I, I'm gonna nitpick even further. That's a super fail because the director is all of this episode was is also the head of editing, it was Phil Segrisha. Yeah, yeah. So Phil I'm gonna super, and he's an awesome I, director. Super, uh, I'm losing you. You're breaking up a bit. Oh, no, no. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all I said was, Phil Sagrish has been there forever. He knows better. It's true. Um, And I will say, because I I had to go look at the directing, who directed it, because the scene where you first swing into the cabin, it's a really fast, sweeping camera loop and it was a little dizzying and I was like who directed this and I went and looked and I was like really okay and um but I so yeah and I didn't put it in my notes but I did notice it when I was watching and because I didn't understand what was going on clearly it still yeah. took me this long to figure it out but talking about directing I will say that that first scene where Dean in the bunker where Dean puts his um, duffel on the table and walks up into the library part room where Sam is, how that scene is directed is gorgeous. You just see, um, you know, Dean in silhouette as he's walking into the light where Sam is. Beautiful. Yeah, there were a couple of shots that were really, really pretty. That one was really nice. That whole scene is beautiful. The lighting, the directing, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Oh, and... This is the second week in a row. Wow. This is the second week in a row that I'm going to give Jensen Ackles so much credit. Um, that scene, the way he plays, where you as the viewer can tell that this is a, a goodbye for him, where it's just these barely restrained tears. And yeah. he's not overselling it. He's not choking up. It's just, and it doesn't really, like, his face doesn't begin, like, a full crumble until he's behind Sam and, like, he. It was just so well done by everyone. By everyone Beautiful, yeah. And also with Jared, like the subtlety he plays when it's all of a sudden where it all, he goes from like hurt that Dean doesn't want him around, like, like, oh, you don't want me to come? Okay. He's never distrustful. It's just hurt that he's just like, okay, I guess I could stay. You can go hang out with mom by yourself, whatever. To immediately yeah. understanding that something is wrong. Yep. And he has they were both really fantastic. And a scene with so few lines from either one of them. And, you know, we had no, like, just, just no sound for that. It was just really well done by everyone. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. And which, is a, which is a good lead-in to the end of it. Yes. That was the best scene of the whole episode. It was so good. Although, Rook, I have to say, I do not trust Billy one single bit uh, that since, oh. you know, she's the one who gave Dean this whole idea of the box. And we know she's wanted a Winchester dad ever since she came on the show. I also uh, think since I, they've been there was a lot of dad. discussion about, yeah, there was a lot of discussion about this on my, on my timeline and in a couple of chats I'm in, so your perspective would be interesting, but... I didn't get the feeling that what was Billy gave him was about the box. I think 
whatever was in the book that Billy gave him was something that Dean was like, I'm not, that can't happen either. And he says, Billy, like, well, what do I do? And then Billy explained about the box. I don't think the box is what was in the book. That is possible because they have done that before. You know, go back episodes later and show you more of the conversation. So they, they, you know, have done that before. It is possible. But I just assumed it was the box. You know, she's showing him that this is how he dies in this book in a box at the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. Because but, obviously yeah, the that, book doesn't tell exactly how to do it because he had to take other books. Yeah, so exactly. He had to he get other books book to figure not, out how to build yeah, it. The Winchester book is not the instruction manual to building this box. Right. I don't feel. I feel so, like he went, okay, what do I do? And Billy was like, well, here's an option. Also, did, did yeah. you say it's a Malik box? Because I feel like it should have been Malachi, but... That's again neither here nor there, but it was I don't know Malik. Yeah, just Malik. Yeah, he says Malik, and I was like, mm, okay. Um, but yes, yeah, final scene. And I love hearing the Winchester family theme again in that scene. That's always my favorite music because it means Winchesters, and so it's beautiful. So Jay Grishka, love you. That was beautiful. He's a composer, one of the composers. Um, and then I know a lot of people are like, why would Sam agree to help Dean kill himself? Uh, it's because I think Sam knows that's the only way he'll be able to get, you know, stay close to Dean and figure something else out. Yeah, I think he's buying time. And also, I mean, let's be real. This is very much a rewrite of season five, and it is what Dean did in season five. He, mm-hmm. he said you know, he decided that yes, he would. Sam could make his own decision, but he wasn't going to leave Sam alone for it. Yep, yep. So I I can accept it. I don't like it, but I can accept it um, because I do think I do. I, my only actual problem with it is like, is that it's a rehash of season five plus season eleven. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, but the biggest thing I have against it that I'm dreading, which I'm hoping I'm wrong because interviews that we've seen about the 300th episode contradict it, but as we know, when Angel was put to the bottom of the ocean from Connor, he hallucinated a whole bunch, his exact words. And I so I me worry that John in season in the 300th episode is all going to be hallucination of Dean's having at the bottom of the ocean. Well, Whereas, I'll get into that. I'll get into that after we're done with the final scene because it leads into for some people who don't watch um, sneak peeks, it leads a bit into spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. I so for the end of this episode, I really. I think the the playing off of of Sam saying you weren't gonna tell you weren't gonna tell me me was just right to the heart. Yeah, that was just perfect. And I also the and, Dean, I think, and I think Dean's also reasoning was perfect as well. 
Yeah, and that goes along with what we said, you know, where he where he tells Sam, you're the only person that could have talked me out of it, which is basically he he's saying, you know, that Sam is the only person that could have said, yeah, but please don't leave me. Mm-hmm. And that he would have been like, okay, well, low blow, but I guess I won't. And I think that's also why Sam was like, fine, we'll do this your way for now. Yeah, me um, too. But... It's hard, to, it's hard to really talk about an a scene that's so good because you just sit there and go, it was just so good, it was just so good. But the reality yeah. is it was just so good. It was just everything we're used to and everything we expect, which is just them being that level of honest and brutal with each other. Mm-hmm, yep. And, you know, I, I've been very vocal, and a lot of people have been vocal about how not just annoying it is, but also what a detriment it is to the story to have Sam and Dean separated so much lately. And I've always said there are Mm -hmm. ways to separate them in an episode and still make it about them and still make it good. And I always go back to uh, All Hell Breaks Loose Part 1. They are apart for almost the entirety of the episode except the very beginning and the very And it's still one of the best episodes of the series. Arguably, for some people, the best episode. So mm-hmm. it can be done. And so at first watching this episode, it felt like a lot of the other episodes we've been subjected to this season. And then it became, I mean, not on the same level, but the same concept of get about them, even when they're just bracketing. And I think that's something we've been missing yeah. in a lot of recent episodes. And I do feel like part of it is, and I really like Alex Calvert. I do, but I don't care about Jack very much. And so it has felt like the, the show is really just about him lately. And so it was nice to have yeah. the, the show be about Sam and Dean again, because I feel like it just hasn't been. It's about It's been about Michael and Jack in various levels. It hasn't been about Sam and Dean for a while. So it was, I think it was not just, it was not just good. Like it wasn't just good writing. It wasn't just good acting because it was, but I think it was also something the show itself needed before, before you really just start having viewers go, what show am I watching? What, what am I, what even is this? So. Yeah. I think it was. I totally agree. Because fatigue will set in. So, yeah. So, all I have left is what my speculation based on the sneak peek. So, unless you have something else about this episode. No, no. I want to talk about the speculation. Okay. So, anybody who doesn't watch sneak peeks um, and considers sneak peeks a spoiler, that's your spoiler warning. Um. I assume sneak peek, the first sneak peek we get usually has to deal with the first and second act of an episode. So my speculation is they end up at the hospital to deal with whatever they have to deal with with Donatello, which is how uh, Cass gets back into the mix. Um, And either Sam and or Dean has told Cass about their plan, about, the, about Dean's plan, which is why he says the suicide plan, you can't do it. 
obviously Dean does do it because he's in the box talking on the phone with Sam and the phone dies. But I think that all that happens before the first half of the episode is over. I think they end up rescuing Dean. I don't think that the 300th is a hallucination. I think I think that Dean uh, is. I think they do get Dean out of the box by the end of the episode. I really, really, really hope you're right. You know, in the interviews, Jensen calls it like Dean has a genie type of thing. Yeah. And, and then, like, at the very beginning of that episode, the whole thing is, you know, seeing how the town views the Winchesters. And mm-hmm, I don't which I'm, I'm dying Dean for that. I can't wait for that. Yeah, but and Dean having a hallucination about how the town would view him is doesn't make sense to me. So I'm assuming but, that I'm assuming that I'm assuming the whole thing. Hold on, sorry. Sorry, and I couldn't find my mute button. Um, no problem. Uh, I'm assuming that all that happens no later than Act 3. I would say Act 1 and 2. I think Act 1 is the hospital I'm, and then Act Act 2 is the box. I, I hope you're right because I don't want it to end with, you know, Dean in the box and his phone dying and all that, and then the next episode, which is the 300th, be all Dean's hallucination. Because, you know, first of all, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you know, he specifically said when he agreed, you know, to do the episode, he wanted to have some closure with Sam. Well, for John to get closure with Sam, it would have to actually, Sam would have to know about it in some way or form, whereas if it was just a hallucination, Dean's and having, it's really just Dean's fantasy Sam of John Sam having exactly. uh, closure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's right. why I think there are too many things. About, I think it's going to be another case of what happened with Dean and Dean, what happened with certain things that they want to do, like they wanted to do the 200th in such a specific way. You know, we have to do this with Dean and Dean and get it all wrapped up and taken care of because the 300th is a complete 180 from anything we're dealing with at that moment. The 200th. And I think that's what they're going to do with the 300th. I think it's going to be very much like, okay, let's wrap it up for now, and then we'll deal with it later. But we have to get our, I mean, let's be honest, we have to get our stunt episode out of the way. Could it be possible, and this is just, spitballing here that maybe in this next episode we finally do solve the Michael problem. Oh, you're cute. I know. Um, And as his his reward, whoever, God, angel, death, whoever gives him a wish and that's how John comes back? I don't know. No, because I don't think he gets a wish. Per se, I think it's similar to the Mary thing because the way that they're they're teasing it, it reminds me of the Mary thing where it's just like, no, someone knows what's in Dean's heart and therefore give it to him because, of course, we always have to know what's in Dean's heart and give it to him. I'm not bitter at all. I, you know, uh, as long, 
I don't care. I'm so first of all, I'm so glad to have John back. I've wanted John back ever, you know, ever since John died. I've wanted John back. And Jenny, as you know, I cried my eyes out at the Vegas con when you know um, Sam Smith and Jeffrey D. Morgan joined Jared and Jensen on stage for the first time. It was the Winchester reunion that I've always wanted. I can confirm um, that that's not hyperbole. She really did legitimately burst into tears. I did. I really did. And so I'm so, so, so wanting this reunion, and I want it to actually be something that they remember, all of them remember. You know, I want it to be real in some way. Like, I know John's not going to be back for forever. He's just going to, he's just back for this episode in some way or shape or form. But I want it in a way that Sam will remember, Dean will remember, Mary will remember. I want them, I don't want it to be just a hallucination or a dream or something. I genuinely don't think it will be. I I I don't think that it'll be. Or it's not going to be all in Dean's head. And I yeah. really do yeah, think that's because also you can have Dean in a box for the next three episodes. Yeah, but I They're could not see be. them. I could see if it if it is a Dean hallucination. I can see, you know. It's just this, the three hundredth where it's all hallucination at the end. It at the end has them pulling him out of the ocean or something. Yeah, I so, I, I, I genuinely think he's out of the he's out of if he even fully well no I would if he even fully makes it down to the ocean in in next week's episode assuming he does because the phone doesn't give out because it's out of range the phone gives out because the battery dies. Battery. So I'm like. You know, underwater must have a really good, you know. Right. So I'm like, do you even get all the way underwater? I don't know. I mean, again, it's TV and it's fantasy TV, so they can do whatever they want. But um, I don't think that he's. I don't think he's in the box beyond one episode. Like, I don't think he. I don't even think. I think he's out of the box by the end of uh, next week, at the very latest. By the end. I'm counting on you to be right, so. Just, I mean, I may not always you know. be right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> so I hope you're right and not wrong about this one. I, I suspect I am. And I'm basing that primarily on the fact that generally sneak peeks, when we get sneak peeks, they're not anything beyond the first 30 minutes of the episode, usually the first 20. There, so. there have been times to be from the last scene because I've remembered, you know, well, wow, that moment in the promo was pretty important then, wasn't it? Because it'll be from the last scene. Yeah, but, but it's that's pretty very rare, rare. for a very long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll be surprised. Well, we shall see. And we will talk about it next week. Yeah. And Susan will be back with us next week. Yes. So I think I hope. that'll she do did it for say she'll definitely be, She did say she'd definitely be back by the 300, so I assume she'll yeah. be back next week, so I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, unless she'd rather spend her time with other actual people and not with us on the phone, whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, overall, good episode. Uh, a lot better than I expected. A lot, lot better than I expected. Yep, same for me. I agree. 
So thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Again, you know, our website is winchesterbros.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Winchester Bros. You can find us on Facebook at WinchesterBros.com. And can't think of anything else to say. So, again, thanks for listening, and we'll let the boys play us out. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.